Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Bible Reading Podcast, episode number 85. Today's big Bible question, is Jesus the only way to heaven? It's going to be one of the most important Bible questions there is. So happy Tuesday, friends. Today is day number six of shelter in place for many of us, and things are pretty scary right now and probably going to get a little scarier over the next couple of weeks. Let me encourage you, as I have before, to not let the Word of God be overwhelmed in your mind by the reports of the world. Now, I'm not saying stick your head in the sand. Don't do that by any means, but do stick your head in the Word first, foremost, and most of all. Today's Bible readings are Exodus 35, Proverbs 11, John 14, and Ephesians 3 and 4, because I inexplicably left off Ephesians 3 from yesterday's episode. Shame on me. Exodus 35 is focused on the Sabbath, which I promise we will cover in depth very soon. Also on Slate for a future show, do Old Testament passages like Psalm 91 and others like it promise Christians living today in the pandemic age that God will keep them from getting sick? I'm not sure they do, but according to some of my friends and yours on social media, there are people out there who think that. But today's topic is not that. Today's topic is one of the most important topics we've ever covered, and I say that without exaggeration. It might possibly cost us some listeners because it is one of those hard truths from the Bible that not everybody likes. That said, it's a teaching of the Bible that is absolutely indisputable. Over and over again, the Bible clearly consistently and unequivocally points to Jesus as the only way of salvation. I'd like to start the discussion of universalism, is Jesus the only way, etc., by discussing a best-selling book and movie that some of you might be familiar with called The Shack. Now, the first book I ever wrote was written about three years ago, 2017, and it was a book on the shack uh, that challenged the universalist theology that was found in that book, and it's called Unshackled, Facing Suffering with the Real Jesus. That book is available on Amazon, and hey, if you buy a copy today, I will send you free an autographed square of toilet paper. Think about how valuable a prize that is in this day and age. Now, most critics of the shack tend to point out the female representation of God the Father as being the most disturbing theological problem in the book. I be- I'm not a fan of that, by the way, but I believe that the most concerning and the most unbiblical aspect of the shack book is its universalism. So let's talk about the shack today and briefly and talk a lot more about universalism. So what is universalism? It's basically the belief that all All humans, every person, will spend eternity with God in heaven. Uh, Mr. Young, who wrote The Shack, his particular viewpoint is that the death of Jesus on the cross essentially saved every human, whether they come to Jesus in their lifetime or not. That is a view called Christian universalism. So, in the book, there are some important characters. The main character's name is Mac. He has lost a child who, who has been murdered in a terrible, horrific sort of way, and he meets... uh what the book represents as the Trinity at a shack and find some comfort in talking to them. Uh, God the Father is named Papa and is represented by a 
female, uh, I'm not sure how to describe her, very motherly type. And so witness this exchange between Papa, who is supposed to be God the Father, and Mac, the protagonist of the story. Papa set forward and crossed her arms on the table. Honey, you asked me what Jesus accomplished on the cross, so now listen to me carefully. Through his death and resurrection, I am now fully reconciled to the world. The whole world? You mean those who believe in you, right? Mac, the whole world. All I'm telling you is that reconciliation is a two-way street, and I have done my part totally, completely, and finally. And so there quote, Papa, is making the case that the death of Jesus on the cross accomplished universal reconciliation. The world is now fully reconciled to him, her, whatever in the shack, through what Jesus did on the cross. Now, that might sound nice and comforting, but it's not what the Jesus of the Bible teaches. In fact, it's just the opposite of what the Jesus in the Bible teach. You can also see Young's universalism come out in the fact that Papa and Jesus in the book, who is a, a carpenter, um, and Mac and his wife and all their kids too, are huge fans of a fairly obscure, no offense, but fairly obscure Canadian musician named Bruce Cockburn, who is a Unitarian Universalist. Again, a person that believes everybody is going to heaven no matter what they do or what happens. That's such an odd and seemingly random detail that's mentioned so many times in the book, it's obviously added for a purpose. Now, the fact that William Paul Young intends his book, The Shack, to espouse his universalistic views is made pretty clear in his follow-up book to The Shack, which is... I guess you'd call it a theology book. It's called Lies We Believe About God. In that book, um, which kind of is the details, his beliefs that underlie the fiction of the shack, William Paul Young says, God does not wait for my choice and then save me. God has acted decisively and universally for all mankind. Now our daily choice is either grow and participate in that reality or continue to live in the blindness of our own independence. Our Am I suggesting that everyone is saved, that I believe in universal salvation? That is exactly what I'm saying. Here's the truth. Every person who has ever been conceived was included in the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. So what's the problem with universalism? And again, universalism is the view that all humans go to heaven no matter what. What's the problem with that? Doesn't God love everybody? Yes, he absolutely does. He loves everybody. But the thing is, the Bible is very clear, and Jesus is the clearest of all in the Bible, that not everybody will be saved. Universalism, that view, has generally been considered a heresy, which means an unorthodox, contrary to the clear teaching of the Bible, by all major branches of Christianity since the beginning of the church, and rightly so. So let's look at some of what Jesus said about universalism and whether or not he's the only way. Starting with John 3.18, the one who believes in the Son has eternal life, but the one who refuses to believe in the Son will not see life. Instead, the wrath of God remains on him. So if you believe in Jesus, you will see life. If you don't, you will not see life. John 3.36, anyone who believes in him is not 
condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he is not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. Or think about Matthew 25, 46. In that passage, Jesus separates the sheep from the goats, and he's talking about people, very obviously. And the sheep go away into eternal life. The goats go away into eternal punishment. Our passage today, John 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now I'm going to read that verse again because it's clear, it's simple, and there's really no controversy about what Jesus is saying here. It's just a matter of whether we believe it or not. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Matthew 7, 21 through 23, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. Now, those aren't the only passages in the Bible that teach that Jesus is the only way. So let's consider a few more. I don't want to overwhelm you with this, so I'm not going to list out every passage that teaches that. But I do want to overwhelm the unbiblical teaching which is the opposite of what Jesus taught, of universalism. I do want to overwhelm that teaching because it's false. It's it's patly false, according to Jesus. Consider this passage in Acts chapter 4, beginning with verse 4. Now, as the apostles were speaking to the people, the priests and the commander of the temple police and the Sadducees confronted them because they were provoked that they were teaching the people and proclaiming the resurrection from the dead using Jesus as the example. So they seized them and put them in custody until the next day since it was already evening. But many of those who heard the message believed and the number of the men came to about 5,000. The next day, their rulers, elders, and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and all the members of the high priestly family. After they had Peter and John stand before them, they asked the question, By what power or in what name have you done this? Then Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and said to them, Rulers and people and elders, if we are being examined today about a good deed done to a disabled man, by what means he was healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing here before you healthy." This Jesus is the stone rejected by you builders, which has become the cornerstone. Now hear this, Acts 4.12, this is what he says next. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people, and we must be saved by it. I'll read it one more time. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people, and we must be saved by it. Jesus is the only way. Isaiah 44, 6-8 says this, This is what the Lord says, Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord Almighty. I am the first and I am the last. Apart from me there is no God. Who then is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and lay out before me what has happened since I established my ancient people, and what is yet to come. Yes. 
Yes, let them foretell what will come. Do not tremble. Do not be afraid. Did I not proclaim this and foretell it long ago? You are my witnesses. Is there any God besides me? No, there is no other rock. I know not one. 1 Timothy 2.5, Paul writes, For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. Isaiah 43, 10 and 11. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. I, I am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. So I think the above passages leave no doubt whatsoever that Jesus is the only way to salvation. Now, I guess if you're still on the fence about that, and somehow the dozen or so verses above don't really fully convince you, it might be good to ask yourself this question. Why did Jesus pay the ultimate price on the cross, not only suffering the pinnacle of human abuse, but also taking on the wrath of the Father for all the sins of humanity, if there was you know, another way for people to be saved. Why did he plead with his father to take away the cup of the cross and the punishment for our sins away from him if there was another way for people to be saved? The fact of the matter is the Bible is very clear that Jesus is the only way to salvation. And that's the crux of what we're about to read today in John chapter 14. So I'm going to start with that passage, and then we'll back up and hit the Exodus passage and go to Proverbs and finish up with Ephesians 3 and 4. John 14, verse 1. This is a great opening for those of us that are unsettled in this current pandemic crisis. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, also believe in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If not, I would have told you. I am going away to prepare a place for you. If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, so that where I am you may be also. You know the way where I am going. Lord, Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Lord, said Philip, show us the Father, and that's enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been among you all this time, and you do not know me, Philip? The one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words I speak to you I do not speak on my own. The Father who lives in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves." Truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and he will do even greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the Spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him, but you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will too. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father. You are in me and I am in you. 
The one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me, and the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. I will also love him and will reveal myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it you're going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. The one who doesn't love me will not keep my words. The word that you hear is not mine, but is from the Father who sent me. I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. Peace I live you, leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. You have heard me tell you I am going away and I am coming to you. If you love me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father because the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you may believe. I will not talk with you much longer because the ruler of this world is coming. He has no power over me. On the contrary, so that the world may know that I love the Father, I do as the Father commanded me. Get up, let's leave this place. Exodus chapter 35 verse 1 Moses assembled the entire Israelite community and said to them, These are the things that the Lord has commanded you to do. For six days work is to be done, but on the seventh day you are to have a holy day, a Sabbath of complete rest to the Lord. Anyone who does work on it must be executed. Do not light a fire in any of your homes on the Sabbath day. Then Moses said to the entire Israelite community, This is what the Lord has commanded. Take up an offering among you for the Lord. Let everyone whose heart is willing bring this as the Lord's offering. Gold, silver, and bronze, blue and purple and scarlet yarn, fine linen and goat hair, ram skins dyed red and manatee skins, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, and onyx with gemstones to mount on the ephod and breastpiece. Let all the skilled craftsmen among you come and make everything that the Lord has commanded. The tabernacle, its tent and covering, its clasps and planks, its crossbars, its posts and bases, the ark with its poles, the mercy seat and the veil for the screen, the table with its poles, all its utensils and the bread of the presence, the lampstand for light with its utensils and lamps as well as the oil for the light, the altar of incense with its poles, the anointing oil and the fragrant incense, the entryway screen for the entrance to the tabernacle, the altar of burnt offering with its bronze grate, its poles and all its utensils, the basin with its stand, the hangings of the courtyard, its posts and base and the screen for the gate of the courtyard, the tent pegs for the tabernacle and the tent pegs for the courtyard, along with their ropes and the specially woven garments for ministering in the sanctuary, the holy garments for Aaron the priest and the garments for his sons to serve as priests. Then the entire Israelite community left Moses' presence. Everyone whose heart was moved and whose spirit prompted him came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work on the tent of meeting, for all its services and for the holy garments. Both men and women came. All who had willing hearts brought brooches, earrings, rings, necklaces, and all kinds of gold jewelry. Everyone who waved a presentation offering of gold to the Lord. Everyone who had in his possession blue, purple, or scarlet yarn, fine linen, or goat hair, ramskins, 
dyed red or manatee skins brought them. Everyone making an offering of silver or bronze brought it as a contribution to the Lord. Everyone who possessed acacia wood, useful for any task in the work, brought it. Every skilled woman spun yarn with her hands and brought it, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and fine linen. And all the women whose hearts were moved spun the goat hair by virtue of their skill. The leaders brought onyx and gemstones to mount on the ephod and breastpiece, as well as the spice and oil for the light, for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense. So the Israelites brought a free will offering to the Lord. All the men and women whose hearts prompted them to bring something for all the work that the Lord through Moses had commanded to be done. Moses then said to the Israelites, Look, the Lord has appointed by name Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, to the tri- of the tribe of Judah. He has filled him with God's spirit, with wisdom, understanding, and ability in every kind of craft to design artistic works in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut gemstones for mounting, and to carve wood for work in every kind of artistic craft. He has also given him and Oholiab, son of Ahishamach, of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. He has filled them with skill to do all the work of a gem cutter, a designer, an embroiderer in blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and fine linen, and a weaver. They can do every kind of craft and design artistic designs. Proverbs chapter 11 verse 1. Dishonest scales are detestable to the Lord, but an accurate weight is his delight. When arrogance comes, disgrace follows, but with humility comes wisdom. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the perversity of the treacherous destroys them. Wealth is not profitable on a day of wrath, but righteousness rescues from death. The righteousness of the blameless clears his path, but the wicked person will fall because of his wickedness. The righteousness of the upright rescues them, but the treacherous are trapped by their own desires. When the wicked person dies, his expectation comes to nothing, and hope placed in wealth vanishes. The righteous one is rescued from trouble. In his place, the wicked one goes in. With his mouth, the ungodly destroys his neighbor, but through knowledge the righteous are rescued. When the righteous thrive, a city rejoices. When the wicked die, there is joyful shouting. A city is built up by the blessing of the upright, but it is torn down by the mouth of the wicked. Whoever shows contempt for his neighbor lacks sense, but a person with understanding keeps silent. A gossip goes around revealing a secret, but a trustworthy person keeps a confidence. Without guidance, a people will fail, but with many counselors, there is deliverance. If someone puts up security for a stranger, he will suffer for it. The one who hates such agreements is protected. A gracious woman gains honor, but violent people gain only riches. A kind man benefits himself, but a cruel person brings ruin on himself. The wicked person earns an empty wage, but the one who sows righteousness a true reward. Genuine righteousness leads to life, but pursuing evil leads to death. Those with twisted minds are detestable to the Lord, but those with blameless conduct are his delight. Be assured that a wicked person will not go unpunished, but the offspring of the righteous will escape. A beautiful woman who rejects good sense is like a gold ring in a pig's snout. The desire of the righteous turns out well, but the hope of the wicked leads to wrath. One person gives freely, yet gains more. Another withholds what is right, only to become poor. A generous person will be enriched, and the one who gives a drink of water will receive water. People will curse anyone who hoards grain, but a blessing will come to the one who sells it. The one who searches for what is good seeks favor, but if someone looks for trouble, it will come to him. 
Anyone trusting in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like foliage. The one who brings ruin on his household will inherit the wind, and a fool will be a slave to someone whose heart is wise. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and a person, a wise person, captivates people. If the righteous will be repaid on earth, how much more the wicked and sinful. Ephesians chapter 3. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, you've heard, haven't you, about the administration of God's grace that he gave to me for you? The mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have briefly written above. By reading this, you were able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. This was not made known to people in other generations, as it is now revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. The Gentiles are co-heirs, members of the body and partners in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I was made a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace that was given to me by the working of his power. This grace was given to me, the least of all the saints, to proclaim to the Gentiles the incalculable riches of Christ and to shed light for all about the administration of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created thing, all things. This is so that God's multifaceted wisdom may now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavens. This is according to his eternal purpose accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. So then I ask you not to be discouraged over my afflictions on your behalf, for they are your glory. For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth is named. I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his Spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray Pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love, and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to live life worthy of the calling you have received, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. Now grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. For it says, when he ascended on high, he took the captives captive, he gave gifts to people. But what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower parts of the earth? The one who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens to fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, equipping the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be little children, tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. 
From him, the whole body, knitted, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. Therefore I say this and testify in the Lord. You should no longer live as the Gentiles live in the futility of their thoughts. They are darkened in their understanding and excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. They became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. But that is not how you came to know Christ, assuming you heard about him and were taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, to take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. Therefore, putting away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another." Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and don't give the devil an opportunity. Let the thief no longer steal. Instead, he is to do honest work with his own hands so that he has something to share with anyone in need. No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need so that it gives grace to those who hear. And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed by Him for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander be removed from you, along with all malice. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. Amen. That's a good place to end. Let us, brothers and sisters, be kind and compassionate to one another, especially as many of us are sheltering in place with one another. Let all of our bitterness and anger and wrath and shouting and slander be removed from us along with all malice, and let us be kind and compassionate to our sheltering roommates right now, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you and me in Christ. Amen. Let it be. Godspeed to you. Lord willing, we'll be back tomorrow.